0: Internet and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint.
1: The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points.
0: How's it, Al? How
1: are you, Mr. Modlin?
0: Good, Brew. I'm sitting in rainy Cherbourg.
1: Yeah, dude, it is crystal clear Cape Town, uh, 32 degrees today.
0: That is upsetting. you the one in Cape Town who's supposed to have the rain. And we're supposed to have the lack of weather up here.
1: I know, dude. The weather is great here, yeah, and we want the, as much rain as possible.
0: That's cock. So you get the good weather and the mountain and the water. It's not
1: fair. Bru, did you see my pic on Instagram of the mountain? I went to a customer, and they're like, right there. Insane. That,
0: that's super cool, Bru. Super cool. And we have also a super cool show for the listeners this week.
1: Yeah, you've been running around on your own interviewing guests this time.
0: Yes, I've uh, I did the interview this week. It's usually you who's doing our roving reporter bit. Yes. So this week, this week on the podcast, we've got Troy Gerber.
1: Long time coming, eh? Long time coming.
0: Yeah, um, busy, busy guy. But we managed to I managed to sit down with him briefly. And uh let's cross to that that and have him introduce himself. How's it Troy? Thank, thank you for joining us.
2: Yes, I enjoy getting up really early to come talk to people.
0: Yes, we're doing um for a change in our interviews we're doing this bright and early in the morning yeah. rather than late afternoon. Yeah. What well,
2: people can't see is the red bull. I'll shake it. There you go. Bit of a bit of an early day.
0: Caffeine is the is the juice that IT runs on.
2: Yeah. It's strange how people don't get that. My wife to this day still doesn't understand why I drink cold coffee I said, because that's just the way it works in IT. I mean, you, you're writing a couple lines of code, they become a couple lines of code and become a procedure or become an object. And then it's two hours later, the coffee's still there. Cold coffee is what drives IT people.
0: Caffeine is caffeine. Yeah. So, yes, thank you for joining us. Can you maybe give our listeners um, a bit of a background on you? How Because one of the things we have found through, these, um, through the podcast and through these interviews is that there's no set path in how to get into the space that we're in the sharepoint yeah, o 365 space everybody's sort of got their own little back door into it so how did how did you get started
2: i started in the traditional web space I, I i started my my career my true it career started vodacom but not not in the it space i was working in a Vodafone call center environment in 95 which tells you a whole am and uh One of the things I was responsible for was the training people. I made these paper files, which made no sense, and then this new product came out called Internet Explorer
1: 1.0
2: and personal web server for front page. (laughs) Those who don't know what it is, you're way too young. Um, And I figured a way out to replace the help files in Internet Explorer with um, my... My files. I, I, Your I want, training material. Yeah, I opened up the help files. I saw this is like readable text with some some funny things around, like with a H and a B and and a URL. I thought, okay, I'll, I can figure this out. And uh, I built an internet for a customer key environment. I didn't realize I was intranet until somebody told me. And from that day onwards, I just wanted to know how they did stuff on the web. So I started teaching myself. It's stock standard notepad um, coffee cup HTML editor type guy. Built as many websites as I could. Then I wanted to know how you do the cool things where you can make the star follow your mouse and snow fall down. So I went to the JavaScript side. Then I wanted to know how I could do things on the back end and get stuff out of databases. I was always a Microsoft guy. so I never really wanted to do those sort of um, Java insights. I went and taught myself ASP.NET came out, dabbled in that a bit. Um, I spent my whole career at, at uh, Vodacom working in the web space, both on the commercial side as well as internal.
0: Very heavy dev Very styles. heavy
2: dev. And one of the things that myself and, uh, and the team dealers, we built the Vodacom internet. We used uh, Dreamweaver okay. as our tool of choice. We created custom Dreamweaver actions for the stuff we need to do, and we built this internet. And the year I left, one of our IT guys, of IT director, camp, I said, check out this thing called SharePoint 2000, 2007, and it might work for what we're doing on the internet." And the typical, I went, oh, God, no, it'll replace my work. I won't have have a job anymore. And I realized that half the stuff that I'd spent hours and days and weeks coding were drop and drags. Yeah. And you go, hold on, there's something here. And that's how I got into the SharePoint space. I went from 2007, I went into a small IT company um, that exists at that stage called uh, Liquid Thought, focused purely on SharePoint from a tech perspective. Um, from there, moved across into a company called Intervate, still around nowadays. Um, started off as a normal tech guy, service delivery space. Um, was there for seven, eight years until they were bought by T-Systems. And in that space, I actually became one of the directors in Cape Town, and my focus was I, I started looking at the tech and saying, this tech is great, but why do people need the tech? Yeah. What is the purpose of all this? And I uh, started playing around more with it. Sort of ECM space and the need for the business, and getting into the the nuts and bolts behind what people need SharePoint for.
0: So that, that's an important discussion to have because it's sort of a wide ranging product and do a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, but it's not it's not like an MS Word where you can just drop it in and expect it to be exactly successful. You've got to you've got to really apply it to business needs. And no, all, completely agree,
2: and, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of talk about that in a bit. But um, after in I, I got. Um, Kindly headhunted by Microsoft, and I spent the last two years before I joined Carabina as a a SharePoint architect, or business productivity architect, as they call it now, in the MIA region. So I basically worked from from north of our border up to Pakistan, by the territory I worked in. And one of the things that was becomes very clear is that when you, especially from the Microsoft side, is that when you drop a product set down, or you drop a, now they call it a shared service set down, you drop down Exchange, and you drop down SQL, and you drop down sky for business yeah they all have very specific needs no emails email you can do cool things in outlook but at the end of the day you're sending receiving email and sky for business does that and in your sharepoint and there's one of those things where once you drop it down it still doesn't do what you need it to do because you don't know what you want it to do yet yeah where email is there you can send email and a, a lot of i think there's a lot of the sort of less mature organizations who haven't been thought around it they go i've got sharepoint I, let's collaborate plug
1: um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, private joke there huh? and um, this is an industry podcast. Yeah, it's, they it's, all yeah. Hi, yeah um, and, and that's I think that that's the, the the space I think where guys like us add like value because you really sort of get to understand that the understand what the businesses are wanting to actually do. And, and the need for it as well so that, that is my sort of the very pre-seed version of my career the last the last two years I was at the Microsoft as an architect and then now at Carabina. very yeah. happy at Carabina, I said as well
0: good yeah that's it's lacquer here You're the first person we've had on the podcast that has been on sort of on the other side've mm. uh, we've, we've had a few business users um, that have that have been on the cast to talk about what it's like on the business side dealing with these consultants but I think it'd be quite interesting to sort of unpack what it's like in Microsoft when, mm. when you're working on that side. Did, did you interact with the consulting services companies yep. in, in, in your role? Yep. So what, what was that like? So,
2: so my, the role at Microsoft, the role I had at Microsoft was what they call an architect role. So the architects are the guys that go in, once the sales guys sell the product, so they go into, let's take government of Zambia, for instance, they'll have sold a shared services platform, and SharePoint's one of the platform um, aspects. Architects go in and sit with the business and understand what they want to do, and we do the very much the macro level, high level architecture, then down to solutions level architecture, all the theoretical stuff and the, the designs, visio business process down level and then gets hand over to consulting so that's sort of that's sort of the role which is an interesting role to not be involved in delivery as much as i used to be before microsoft's an amazing place to work uh, there's no way of putting this i think anybody that that leaves microsoft and says this was a bad experience just is a weird mindset the amount of knowledge you get literally thrown at you to a point where you cannot consume you actually have to filter out the amount of the amount of times you want to learn because the, the, the learning that you get sent to do um, that is mandatory or the stuff that, that is voluntarily available is overwhelming. You actually would spend your whole year just learning, which is, which is amazing. And you get to work with the partner companies, obviously. So that's sort of a very key to Microsoft and that strategy has been there since day one. And I think recently they've really reiterated that back is that the ISV space, and the, the places like the companies we work for, how important they are in the ecosystem. Being a mere architect on the MCS side, on the consultative side, uh, you see that push as well. Yeah. So you, you actually see the the, the partner engagement, um, the fact that they're constantly reaching out. And, and there's there's different reasons why. One is skills. I think some partner companies, or they might be like a view in the industry that the MCS guys are like the pinnacle of technical excellence. Yeah. And, and they are. But believe me, the partner resources that you have in South Africa and worldwide are just as good, and in some cases better, because there's sometimes a bit more focused as well, and a bit more for a bit more business a bit more cutthroat. You know, we don't have the 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 office license coffee in the back that will handle uh, two or three months of downtime. So you yeah. really focus, and you have to be great at what you do in the ISV space, in the partner space. So you, it, it's a bit of a mix of both when it comes to the the skill side. Um, from a professional point of view uh, they are great and they're just amazing place to work when it comes to process and everything
0: I've had a look at those Microsoft project planning guides I think you'd call them they're super exhaustive
2: very exhaustive
0: um, when, when you're working in Microsoft do, do you follow that, that whole plan during a project do you, do you really hit all those points
2: it, it depends it's the same as in once again as, as we have in our, in our business here is you, you get those gigantic, large projects that need to follow the methodology end to end. Yeah. Um, and you get those projects where it's six weeks and following methodology will take you six weeks just to get the paperwork done. So you, you cut away the stuff you don't need. And that's where the, the sort of leadership team, the architects and the, the senior leads like yourself make that call. You, you know what you can remove and you, you get that confidence that this piece of work is bespoke and it's cut and dried and will work in a short period of time. But they do... Push, um, they call it the product line architecture, PLA. Yeah. It, it is pushed by the, the the team, and in Microsoft as well, it is part of the audit of your project. So every every large project, even the smaller ones, gets goes through a quality audit. So you actually can be certified as an architect, as a as an auditor. Okay. So you go in and you look at the paperwork. So was the methodology followed? All the artifacts generated have they been curated? Have they been vetted? Um, have they gone through the process? Have they been implemented correctly from design all the way through to the support handover. And and they, they do work. The, the the SharePoint PLA for instance, the product architecture uses a best practice model. Yeah. So it'll look at using a large farm scale, it'll ensure that there's gonna be a, a server for um, every component needs to be there. We <laughs> when we're working, we might look at other things like um a customers budget. How much how many servers they have in the current farm that might repurpose and go, well oh, it's Put distributed cache on the front-end server for now. And we'll, we'll scale it out later. Uh, the bottom line architecture is definitive and says there will be two distributed cache servers dedicated.
0: Yeah, this is the way it is. And I suppose working at Microsoft, if if Microsoft are going in themselves, it's only the the very large-scale yeah. implementations.
2: Mostly, uh, Most of the things I at enterprise level. But the the area I worked was also a little bit skewed in the sense that it was only large enterprise, so we only dealt with government, um, financial services and oil and gas companies. Yeah. So you're looking at um, a couple of million dollar implementations or SharePoint, and uh, that sounds crazy. How how can you do a couple of million dollar SharePoint implementation? I can believe it. Yeah. You're doing it for organizations that are are spread Mm -hmm. globally across four uh, four continents and they've got 35,000 user base that that it never touches an office space. And you have some that are the normal 15,000 user base sitting in office and that don't move across floors Yeah. But at that scale, you need to follow the architecture. Another another really good thing of the, the architect, the, the PLA stuff, was that it tied back into the other products. So a SharePoint best practice put together with a SQL best practice put together with the best practice around the BI capabilities with the best practice around office implementation all became like a really cool Lego set that sort of clicked in.
0: Yeah, it helps all the integration yeah. if everything's everything set up to work up Yeah, so everything, everything was
2: made to work optimally with not only what oh. you installed and configured from a SharePoint perspective, but with all the other products. So that, that's a lot that's a lot bigger picture to why they do that. It's not just to try and do only a best practice implementation of SharePoint because most of the things are scale-out. Most things are shared services implementations across a, a larger scale. Yeah. Um, I mean, but on, uh, on, on a few occasions... Um, we do the PLA, and you'll go in and say, right, there's, the, there's no scope for that, that level of service scale. Um, the customer doesn't have budget for that, that licensing, or we want to do something different, and you'll, you'll scale back a bit and drop something in. It's, it's flexible, but it starts off with the, the, the whole hog. Uh, We're all nerds,
0: and all our, all I'm our I'm listeners are, are major it. nerds. So one of the things I've always wondered about working in Microsoft itself is I imagine you must have very cool toys to play with in there. Are they fully delved up? are, are they are they really dog fooding, using all the tools? Big time
2: big, time, big time. So the, the the I think they're trying to get away from the dog food reference, though I think it's a step now. So it's all about the insider program. So I mean a, the, the the insider program that we have that's was publicly available and yeah. there's, there's the internal one as well. And this is stuff that's available on the web, so I'm not, not talking sort of out of the bedroom. Um is encouraged? And in certain cases, you need to get manager approval because if you're running a, a, a pre beat version of Windows 10, which I did, and it's a damn stable, huh? Yeah, I, the, I, I the, was, I was the, really impressed with Windows 10 when I arrived there because that was like, it's like, wow, this thing actually is, works uh, really well. I'm a massive fan of Windows, and I think that thinks it's terrible, has got a bad machine. <laughs> so you had a lot, of, you had a lot of exposure to, from a software perspective, to just about anything that was being done. You could sign up for any inside a program that you wanted to so if you happen to be on campus and you were lucky enough to, you could be on the hologram hololens uh beta team in south africa obviously it's like different you don't have hololens but when it came to everything from some of the games that were released we got pre-released versions of um, the new games you got access to the latest versions of office take the, the conference that was held in santon four weeks ago a lot of the stuff they showed there was something we were playing with um, eight months back because yeah. you were part of the team was actually sitting in and running it but it's uh it's so that's a, the cool tech side but also the cool thing is that you're actually not adding value because you're you're really making a difference so you've got a couple of thousand microsoft employees physically using the stuff that they to send to consumers and like typical geeks we complain about the stuff that breaks it that messes our day up because we have to reinstall something and um, sometimes it just works but there was a lot of access to a lot of stuff to play with um, obviously, Redmond uh, changes things a lot because you have access to the, the the tactile tech. So you can go play with the HoloLens or a new phone or a new tablet version yeah. or, or or a Surface Book, which is a great device. Um, but he says, you says know, looking down at a the Surface MacBook. Book. Yeah, yeah, I wanted this thing so bad for so long. It's so pretty. It is, and it works really well. I never really thought the old Hayden's thing. I thought, yeah, that's maybe a gimmick. I use it quite a lot, especially yeah. if just for, for simple things like watching a movie. You can flip it over, so you get don't have a keyboard distance. So if you're on a plane trying to edit something, it's a lot easier just to flip it over and click over yeah. and use the keyboard. Um, just Jim picking it up and doing a presentation, very cool. We digress.
0: Um, we never digress on this podcast, <laughs> and anybody will tell you. If if you had to pick a lesson or two that that you got out of your time at Microsoft, that you think the consulting space in South Africa would really benefit from. Mm-hmm. What what would you
2: highlight? It's it's. A, I think the lesson is Microsoft don't go in half cocked. Can we say that? Yes, we can. Yeah. They don't get half cocked. It's, in the, it's, it's, not, the, a it's not a family podcast.
0: The like the, there are no, no ten year olds no, listening to this no, podcast.
2: Well, you never know. We hope. No innuendo. they they don't go in half cocked when it comes to doing things. When it comes to implementing business productivity, so that's the that's the Microsoft term when it comes when SharePoint falls under now. Um, they, they split up the consulting services, business, business productivity is the, is the space. Um, so when they go in, they don't, they don't go in with a, what is the point solution we can quickly deliver on top of SharePoint. That, if that happens, the point solution is still a million, two million dollars. It's never small. They go in f- from inception, so it's, what is the need? Do the analysis, uh, do the strategy. Okay, we've got the strategy. Now let's look at how we can implement this from a technical techni- perspective. When they look at UX, the UX guys are doing um, full user experience workshops to understand what, how the system is going to work. They're doing personas, they're doing wireframing, they're doing mockups before they even touch creating a master page. Um, support is built in. So uh, how are we going to support this afterwards? How is this, this going to run for a year? How is it going to run for two years? How are we going to bring it up? They have a specific practice in the enterprise architect's team or the digital architects, as they call now, that our uh, change management certified. So uh, myself, we went on precise training for change management. So how do we get um, the change management working so that the products adopted and the solutions adopted? So they really tend to look at the, the whole process that makes it successful. I think a lot of us that have been around, we know without the right change management strategy. Things I mean, fall down. We, you know, and out, we build boxes, that get kicked under the, under the table, basically, and people say your box is bad. Our boxes are never bad. You, SharePoint's not bad. You're bad. That's, that's the way we work. And um, so that, they do that really well. And they're bullish about it. So they don't cut corners with the customer kicks back and says, I don't want the change management partner. It's not going to work without the change management. You have to have it. That's how that's how you get it adopted. That's how you become successful. And I think in the the space we have, we, we need to be a bit more bullish about it with our customers because that's what we get here to do is we, we're thought leaders. We, we should be strategic consultants, uh, the trusted advisor level way. We know this, we've been doing this for 10, 15 years, some of us. And we know it's not going to work if you don't follow just very simple paradigms like strategy, change management, user adoption. It's we, nothing really new in there. No, really. But uh, there's a, so I, like, I really enjoy one of the local conferences that we have called the Share Conference. Yeah. I think it's, the, it's my fifth year I'm attending, my third year I'm presenting, so I'm quite chuffed on that. And every year, the Share Conference guys, in the end of the year, could do a couple of roundtables where they ask people, what is the hot topic you want to talk about the, at the next year's conference? Every single year, without a, without a doubt, there's always a hot topic, is change management to use adoption. They're always in the top 10. Yes, you go and have that uh, that chat. I'll oh, change management. That's two extra weeks I don't have in the budget. Training, oh my, people know to use the internet, so it's just a click around through. Or I don't have a strategy, I just want to use SharePoint quickly because it's on my EA so I to, uh, I wonder.
0: I wonder if maybe that's a product of the sort of people they get getting to... I, I mean, I, I think that profile is has changed quite a bit and is changing a lot, but especially sort of the hard-code guys, we're, we're more comfortable with the machines than the people, mm-hmm. and the change management training side is all very much about the people. We're all very... We're all very good at getting the technical side right. Yeah. Like we can, we can make it work. Correct. Yeah. Getting people to appreciate it is is a completely different skill set.
2: Yeah. And, and, and that's an interesting point. Is that we, we we shouldn't actually make the decision inside of business around doing a SharePoint project? Is it really an IT call? Is it a business call? Is it a CIO's call? So most most IT guys like ourselves, and I mean, you know, we we as IT as ex Dev people. We have always taught, draw it, write it down, do a planning before you touch a line of code. 99% of us hit code straight away. And then we get halfway through and then we sort of jump to the whiteboard and we sort of look at what we've done and we sort of re- reconfigure it and go back. And we moan a bit about the 10 lines we have to delete, which we can do later. I think that that doesn't work really well in, in a product space. As I sort of mentioned really earlier, that you, you cannot just drop SharePoint down and hope it works like you do with Exchange or you need yeah. to have that. I think the, that's where the guys like you and me need to be able to be very open and honest and say, so, okay, we know how this works because we know what to do with it technically. But you need to really think about what you want to do with it. And let us guide you. Let's take our experience working with 15, 20, 30 customers over the last five years, having failures and success and, and help you because we can actually guide you down that. path. We, we know where, where things fell. We know why they failed. We know where they were successful. Let's see if we can take you there as well. I think is it from a, you, you're asking how people get into SharePoint. I think one of the, the questions I get asked, got asked quite a lot, especially when on in, um, the interface side was, how do you grow your career in SharePoint? I think you don't grow your career in SharePoint. You grow your career in, in the space. Where do you want to go to? So if, if you're a SharePoint dev, you're still deving for a reason. The business still needs consulting around what you're doing. So you could go into if you, if you stay in the SharePoint space, you're going to end up consulting around ECM strategies, in, uh, business productivity strategies, implementation strategies, uh, development strategies. You um, best best solutions for bringing ISV products onto the onto the platform strategy. Yeah. You, you start you take that uh, 10, 15 years of knowledge and you start focusing on actually helping businesses succeed versus just getting the product implemented. I think that sort of works for most products that are box-based that need to expand.
0: Yeah, and it's more of a solution-focused than a product-focused. Yeah. Like the product we can make work, that's not the issue. Yeah, we, we're good
2: at that. We really are. Yeah. But the solution focus is something that is, is really the key for business. Um are that uh, I'm not really a business school type person, but there's that pyramid of needs yeah, I forget the name of it, but there's it a it is a specific name for the pyramid.
0: I don't know what it is in uh, business. Yeah. The, the psychological one is Maslow's. Yeah,
2: so the it's it's Maslow's, but the, in business, then normally if you if you aren't hitting the bottom of the pyramid, so the the, re, the reason why the business exists, so making money. Yeah, um, and those things, then you're not really hitting the tier. So if you can start aiming your consulting, your sharepoint and implementations at that tier, it starts adding value. But all the rest, and all the rest of the things, kicking the strategy the training, the user adoption, all this type of fun things that that need to be done yeah, to make us successful.
0: I think one last thing before we let you run off, because you're a busy, busy guy. If you were giving advice to somebody who's looking mm. to start off in the industry, where would you suggest they start?
2: Good question. So, so SharePoint industry. Yes. Man, I, I, I'm a believer that you play. So you, you asked where we started. Every, I've never really done official training on... on I didn't wake up and go, man, I want to be a sharepoint guy. Let me go and find a training course. I'm not saying training courses are bad. They, they, they all fit in They give you their level playing ground. It's like having an MBA. You know, you, you all speak the same language, yeah. but you still have skills. Play, so you need, to, you need to have a passion for it. Passion is the is the key to success in anything. Most developer guys started deving themselves in, at the age of 15, and it's a passion I realized was really cool and became a job, became a career, became a lifestyle. You, you need to want to do it. SharePoint is a great product to do that because it's easily available to play with. Play, read, follow podcasts like this, uh, read blogs, follow the industry leaders, um, and just go and take, a, take something that's in your head and go like, man, I wonder how I would automate an HR system, an HR uh, uh, workflow for leave applications. The most used and asked for uh, workflow on the planet, I think, leave applications. How would I do that in SharePoint? And actually go and do it. See how it doesn't work. How would I do this? Go and try and do it. Stay on trend with the new stuff. It's a sad thing when we do interviews for people that that, that apply for uh, for roles as consultants, and you go, go, they go. So tell me about your SharePoint life, and they go, I'm working on SharePoint 2013. I'm I'm thinking of uh, looking at SharePoint 26 and SharePoint Online, but I'll 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 check that out soon. And I go, dude, you you you've you've lost me already. Now SharePoint 26 and SharePoint Online, if if you're on playing there. You, you're not interested you know i'm not interested in you yeah because you're not showing that you actually love this thing you actually want to be part of this this thing so uh, my advice would be um, stay on trend make sure you know what's happening out there don't get fox sold into one version of the product or sort of one paradigm it must be on prem it must be in cloud the customers all over the place on it and, and and just play don't don't lose that that that, that sexy lacquer thing where you sort of Oh, Sexy Lack, I must actually write that down. Sexy Lack, a thing where you actually get enjoyment out of, of solving a problem using the product. Um, and for me, that's it. And, and the same applies when it comes to playing with the cool things that you get with SharePoint. takes pay to any of the ISV products that plug in. Some of them do amazing things. It's like, man, yeah. I'm sitting there uh, playing with, uh, doing something for three days, and there's a plug-in that I can drop in from the pot from and it all... Sort it all out you know, for me. Yeah. You. And and the, and the argument comes about well, that doesn't cost me twenty five dollars, you yeah, know, versus three days of dev that's cost you two hundred fifty dollars, yeah. Uh, and then that also gives you credibility in the industry as well, because you it's like um it's like being a, a if you're really a car cr- car crazy guy and you can work on the car you know more than just the name of the car you know what brand of tires work best you know how to mod the engine you're not going to mod you might not might not mod your Ford engine. With a Ford motor, you might go and get a different drivetrain from a different vehicle. Yeah, you know, but you still, still, you still love the car part of it. And I think the SharePoint the same. You, there's the call They just work, and but know everything around it, know the ecosystem. And I think to and the last thing, on there would be rounded. Just realize that SharePoint is not this this little uh, <coughs> center of the universe that you live in. There are other things that that fit into it that make it work as well. So, understand SQL, understand the Active directory, you know, understand. Um, what about the server? So no clouds there, so we don't we tend to go, oh, the server exists. But understand why why it's built on Windows Server. What How it leverages that. Understand how it plugs into the other product sets across uh, Microsoft, across other other partners. How, how do you integrate into SAP? How do you integrate into Documentum? Uh, it, it's, not a, it's not a planet that doesn't exist in the universe, like some people think we are. It's uh, a lot more. And if you uh, want to sort of grow yourself and. Really enjoy it and know those things. And it enriches you and you have, have those blacker, sexy conversations as well.
0: Awesome. Where can people find you online if they want to follow an industry expert? Uh,
2: yeah, I guess I, I'm, not, I'm not super active on social media. I was for a long time and I've got. I uh, uh, We have to give credit for that and, and blame Alistair Putin at the same time. Uh-huh. Got me hooked on Twitter. And like most people, I spend more time in Hootsuite than I did on anything else. Now um, so I'm back on Twitter again. Uh, Troy Escober. So the reason I'm a Troy Escober, there's a Guy like called Troy Go in America but won't give me the handle, so we'll will, we will see. Um, we're going to be blogging on the Caravina site, so the first uh, industry blog will be out at the end of this month. Great. Um, I'm not going to do a personal blog, I'm going to sort of keep the industry blogs up and going, and then um, hopefully a regular podcasts. Loving the format, was never a podcast fan, but I like the format you guys do, so I've become a bit of a, a podcast junkie at the moment.
0: Oh, fantastic, okay, uh, we could yeah, inspire no. that, but inspired. Cool. Thank you so much for joining
2: us, dude. Absolute pleasure. Look forward to being
1: uh, chatting again.
0: Great stuff. Cheers. Cool. Thank you again, Troy, for coming onto the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's great having him on. Sorry I couldn't make that interview, but uh, when I'm in Cape Town, Troy's in Johannesburg.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys seem to swap over. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll have him on again sometime soon, I think.
1: All right. So on to in the news
0: you even get the reverb on it. I don't know how that works.
1: It oscillates in my ears when I drop down an octave.
0: Nice. <laughs> so, yes, um in the news, first up, Visio online is now available uh, is now available. I was I had not noticed that you didn't have Visio in Office 365.
1: Well, when you download so Office Pro Plus gave you, I think uh, the usual Office stuff, and then there was some access things that you could download. Then, then the three products that didn't ship with that was Visio, uh, Project, and Publisher. Yeah, and now Project Viz- is
0: obviously like there's, I suppose, Planner and and other such tools.
1: Yeah, but it's a licensing thing. Remember, Project, Visio, yeah. and uh, now Publisher did ship with a version of Office at one stage. I can't remember what the name of that version was. Um, it wasn't Pro Plus, it was something else. I think it was Office uh, 2010 Premium or something. Cause, and also, Project Professional and Project Standard are two different products, as well as Visio Standard and Visio Premium. Yeah. So I, I don't know what version of Visio is actually online, but you can now go into your tenant, and when you edit Visio uh, objects, it, you can actually edit a Visio file online
0: in browser. That's super cool.
1: Yeah, But look, they're going up against Google's G Suite which I'm yeah. actually building workflows to integrate into. So Google Docs is part of the G Suite offering. Look, the pricing, uh, base pricing is like $5 and then the one up from that is $10 per user and you get your domain stuff for mails, all of those things. You know, you add like six MX records and some TXT file and then you get Google Docs, which is online spreadsheet, word processor, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. you get Google Office Drive. Yeah, and you get Google Drive where you can store content like OneDrive. And then there's Google Team Sites, which is public sites, and then obviously you get Google Plus with Google Hangouts, which is all public. So it's not like a Google or the G Suite has a CMS offering, which is the missing link. Yeah all right it's
0: it's quite a it's quite a big gap um next up in the news teams to go generally available um within the next week yeah so they've been rolling out globally and we're getting very close to everybody getting their hands on it so if you haven't seen it in your tenant yet it is nearly nearly there
1: And you can actually join everyone for an online event, live webinar, to celebrate the global availability of Microsoft Teams on the 14th of March. So head over to blogs.office.com, find the link, and then join. You can actually register there for the online event. Um, I actually know someone that's going to be there in person, so that's very exciting.
0: That is super cool.
1: And have you seen all the bots Um, that they recently released for Teams?
0: i i haven't i actually have not been using teams and i haven't been following it too closely i'm glad people are developing for it is it are they microsoft developed bots
1: They microsoft the bots some of them are in, uh, inherently stupid but that's the nature of a bot
0: <laughs> Yeah for the time being
1: for the time being and on, on the topic of office 365 there's a new graph dev portal so if you head over to developer.microsoft.com uh, forward slash Graph. There's a new portal with with new information, and Microsoft actually wants you to um, let them know what you think of the new Graph portal. Very important uh, component to the Office three six five stack. Absolutely. And on stack, you've got a news um, about you've got some news about Azure Stack.
0: Yes, Azure Stack, which, which is um, Microsoft's on prem cloud service, which is a very weird sentence um has just had its third technical preview um and that will be the last one before its release which will be i don't think they've gotten they have still haven't gotten any more specific than mid 2017 but this will be the this will be the last uh update
1: like a quarterly before. thing
0: yeah like it it's, it's it's the last milestone basically so if you are thinking of putting it in they've released the new bits and you can download the third technical preview um And that should be pretty much feature complete i'd assume and they're getting rid of bugs now it's an interesting thing Um, i don't think a lot of us are going to be deploying this but uh it's certainly a thing so that's interesting
1: yeah it's very cool what microsoft is doing i I still don't understand how they keep up with all of this and speaking about microsoft and the azure stack and all things azure there's a new step-by-step guide to deploy sharepoint server 2016 your farm in azure so What's really cool about it is there's a whole benefit sheet around the overview of hosting SharePoint 2016 farms in Azure. There's a cool step-by-step instruction for dev as well as test environments uh, and also the production stuff. There's a single server farm you can spin up for demos, a simulated internet server farm running in Azure to experiment with client access. There's planning and design for Azure infrastructure elements, as well as end-to-end instructions for building high availability forms in Azure. So they've really taken the complexity out of wanting to spin up SharePoint Server 2016. And since Mineral, the complexity of the infrastructure design with SharePoint 2016 is infinitely more complex than it ever was in SharePoint 2013.
0: Yeah. But the nice thing about doing it in Azure is you can actually run all those mineral servers and not have to maintain and manage all those VMs yourself. Yeah. Because because the the, the Azure platform sort of supports you in that. It's an interesting way to to do a hosted SharePoint environment and and not be office. You want that sort of back-end control.
1: I I suppose if you had to cost consumption of the turn in Azure, which in theory should be cheaper than the turn on prem. So, if you're not a huge organization with fifteen to twenty thousand users, would you actually spin up a farm like that? I mean, the farm's what, fifteen servers, seventeen servers?
0: Well, pro- probably, pro- probably not. It is for the, the the really large. It is for like super large scale, I would think.
1: Well, can look if, at if it.
0: You, if you're a smaller scale, you're either running it. On well, maybe not. Like if if you want to run an on-prem version, if you want that, if you want the control over the system that an on-prem version gives you, but you don't want to maintain the servers, um, you can do that. The step-by-step guide is obviously doing it mineral best practice. Yes. Which, if you're a small, if you're a small implementation, you might not be going that far into it.
1: I mean, I know guys that have spun up uh, four server SharePoint 2016 forms, four, yeah. two apps, two front ends. That's it.
0: In, in Azure, yeah.
1: No, not even in Azure, on-prem. So if you go to yeah. Azure and you follow best practice according to Microsoft deployment methodologies for SHIP in 2016, you end up with minimum, I think it's 11 servers. Yeah. And then you have to pay yeah, for consumption of those 11 servers versus on-prem four servers, giving you not best practice, but the same result.
0: So, yeah, it's it's interesting. That's very cool. That's a great, uh, it, it's, it's nice to have that guidance. It's nice to have that option. More options are always good. And speaking of more options, just a little—I um, don't know if laughable, but maybe the the comic relief for the news segment—Microsoft uh, has announced that they've got Windows Server running on ARM.
1: Dude, so do not diss not dis, do not diss that. Do not this Okay, that.
0: no, okay, that's good. Like, if if you're behind this, I'm I'm really keen for you to explain to me what the use case is for this. When well, when would you run server on ARM?
1: Okay. So, so let's let's look at the compute module for this, right? You can get away with a 1U. One 1U, one okay? 1U blade. Running okay. 48 cores, okay? Okay. With two dims per channel. Sure.
0: Right? These are all words.
1: Okay. You can go out and go buy the Qualcomm Centric 2400 series system right now. So 48 core in one blade a one u blade one u so if you've got a okay. 40 u chassis do the math
0: okay so okay so so it's for like super high rev processing so you you well, want
1: to you want just
0: really like why, why why would you do this instead of having traditional architecture
1: because it's cheaper like what well, what's the what's the benefit It's cheaper. It's cheaper. So so the message behind moving to the cloud is you've got legacy applications still running on-prem, right? So instead of spending a bucket load of money on compute modules or CPU power for this box and spending crazy amounts of money on on Xeon processes and all of those things, get a one new Uh, (laughs) and you've got 48 cores, mate. Forty-eight, in you know, a one okay. U, in <laughs> you know, a one U man.
0: 48, Hey yeah, cool. you Joe, know, if they've got Windows Server running on it, I'm assuming it it runs it it runs thirty-two bit applications and whatever. Um, I wonder what I just wonder what the performance is like because traditionally traditional programs don't
1: run lacquer on ARM. I disagree with you. So look at what Microsoft did, or Qualcomm and Microsoft did with uh, Windows on ARM, and what they demoed, where they were actually running. And you must remember, ARM does x64, right? Eh? Yeah. So no thirty-two bit, mate. Sixty-four bit.
0: Yeah. Sixty-four bit, like with normal Windows apps. Yeah. There have been wrong. like it, it's had like some super funny interactions.
1: Look, I, I don't think past. you have
0: maybe, to... maybe maybe I'm just I've got a historical holdover against ARM, and I'm like, meh.
1: I don't think you have that problem, eh? Hey? Um, there, there are certain um extension and instruction sets that are not available in ARM, that are available in uh, X64 thoroughbred processes, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But yeah, it's a debate. Uh, I would actually go back into hardware just to play with it. Imagine having 21U48. You can... <laughs> It's mental, you man. Can go berserk. Super cool.
0: I want that to give
1: 24 cores cool. to SharePoint. Yeah. Per well, server. The
0: upshot of this, the, the, the upshot of this at the moment is uh, it's not available anywhere. As far as I know, it's just a Microsoft internal thing right now.
1: Dude, uh, the reference architecture is there. Qualcomm has hardware. Okay. That's why they call it nice. the Qualcomm-centric 2400 base system. It's, not by, is, it's uh, not by the cool. sky, mate. It's not by the sky. It's on ZDNet. Mary J. Foley uh, reposted that.
0: Yes, she she did write an article on it.
1: Yeah, based um, on the one at ZDNet. She, she, she actually she
0: actually replied to me on Twitter because I, I, I replied to a blog and I was like <laughs> I was like uh, who, who's this who is this for and she she tweeted back saying for the moment it's just for Microsoft <laughs>
1: like. Alright, okay, um, um, so. The, Another. So so they're always cam-
0: testing and and fiddling and developing and and it'll come out. It'll it'll come to something in the future. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Something that's not in the future, and uh, all our dev listeners, all our many many dev listeners, I'm sure we have, will be very well aware of. I'm sure Visual Studio 2017 launched a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah, on the seventh.
0: On the seventh. Yeah.
1: People have been excited and not so excited about it.
0: Um, As typically happens with
1: Visual Studio. Yeah, certain parts work, certain parts don't. But the Dev Conference is running right now in Johannesburg, so it must have been great for them to have it at the same time that Visual Studio 2017 launches.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. I'm a lot of dev myself, (laughs) although I've been messing with a lot of XML, XSLT conversion malarkey this week. but, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what what new stuff VS 2017 has. I think it's got a bunch more rendering engines.
1: No idea, mate. No idea. We'll have um, Gordon Beaming on sometime in the next two weeks to take us through. He's a, a, a Visual Studio ALM and a MVP, a, a C-Sharp MVP. And we'll grab him to come give us the in-depth analysis of visual studio 2017
0: that'll be fantastic so yeah watch out for that episode guys i must say i've i've recently switched to using visual studio code oh wow little cody bits that i do do that i do use and oh it's fantastic hey That's proper,
1: It's proper proper
0: super super slick it's um, it's actually
1: leapfrogged uh, hey? so microsoft wants visual studio to be the ide of choice for any developer yeah Except when you're working in Dreamweaver because Dreamweaver is better for those sort of developments. What else you got, Al? Uh, the last thing, there's a new Office 365 adoption resources and there's a webinar with the CIO for Microsoft called Jim Dubois. So my personal favorite blog following blog site of choice is blogs.office.com. Head over there. While you go grab the Teams invite, go look at the new adoption resources for office 365 and we always need them
0: yeah the, those are super handy for anybody who oh. has to talk to clients about these things oh. sweet
1: some you other got some
0: non-microsoft news for us.
1: well it's still microsoft news but i got yes. told today that the new nintex forms engine for office 365 starts rolling out today okay fully responsive
0: that's that's interesting but, fully? okay fully responsive that's cool. That's that's pretty. That's nice. I, I would like to play with it and see how fully featured and stable it actually is. Well,
1: I think the stability since Nintex launched, uh, Nintex and Forms combined for SharePoint 2016, um, it has come full circle. I, I was actually building a State Machine workflow last week on-prem. Pretty cool. And I've been working with the Nintex Workflow Cloud, which is even cooler. On, on th-
0: Their workflow engine is spectacular. Like, really, truly world-class, top-notch. Yeah. Um, their Forms Engine, I have recently had issues
1: with. No, I said to a client today, Nintex Forms Engine is horrendous. I've never liked it. Never, ever, ever liked it. I actually spoke to a dev, oh, was it Tuesday? And... So, you know repeating tables? Yeah. Okay. So, everyone says JavaScript and then it hardly works. So, you use jQuery with data tables to get it working. Heavy. Well, he's a dev, you know, you so... Can,
0: can, yeah. You, know, you can do some cool things, pre-populating the repeating tables with XML and um, pulling that data out via XML and that sort of stuff, and that's pretty cool. I find... And it's not it's not a Nintex alone problem. I've not really found a solution that really nails the forms engine for SharePoint. That like that this is this is how forms should work.
1: So I'm, I'm going to get to
0: find that for. And I'm I'm talking for like I'm 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 probably I'm probably asking for a little bit much. The for your run of the mill standard business functions it's fine, but then sort of anything's fine. It's It's when you get into the really complicated solution building that that these things tend to fall down.
1: Yeah, but we'll get edits from Skybo on um later this month or the first part of next month to talk to us about their forms engine, which they say is an Infopath replacement, like for like.
0: I would that would that would suit me down to the ground because Infopath did everything I wanted it to do. Well,
1: yeah, I had Oak's talk today about Infopath and I said, no, no, no. You are not allowed to slate InfoPath because you have to speak to the modeling to show you the error in your ways and how the gospel of InfoPath is actually delivered.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's a perfect product, far from it. It's, it's got its own issues, but those issues are consistent. You know what I mean? <laughs> once, when, once you know how it works, you can make it work and it will always work that way. Like
1: everything um, else.
0: Uh, not so much.
1: Oh, it's a known issue, so it's no longer a bug, and we're never bringing out a fix for it because we stopped making the product.
0: Yeah, Al, that, that is the problem with InfoPop.
1: Is that the news, That's Mr. Modlin?
0: That is the news, Al.
1: Okay, on to our next segment, New Find of the Week.
0: Sweet, what do you have? I'm, I'm all excited about this new segment. What do you have for us this week, Al?
1: A good friend of mine in the Europe's, um, you know, we don't know what the difference is between Scandinavia and the Netherlands. So we call them they in the Europe. Yeah. Rick van Roselt has built the GitHub project for a SharePoint admin bot. A SharePoint
0: admin bot? Yes. Like, what? So, is it just <laughs> a bot that does SharePoint admin?
1: Yes. So you can now instruct the bot to go create your site collection. Hectic. And what, what is
0: this in? Teams or where where would you instruct this bot?
1: I don't have it, the loader.
0: It, it's got its own. It's got its own interface. So so there's it, an authentic.
1: Yeah, there's a there's an authenticate part. That's so how you start to initialize it, and then he's actually got some step by step instructions on how to what commands you can give it, all of those things.
0: That's super cool, and then it runs off and does it for you.
1: Yeah. Oh, so weird. so so let's see what so. Uh you can start the chat bot okay, so through, chat through bot. Teams, through Teams, through Skype, through web chat. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> um current features will do it can it can get site collections, it can give you root web, re-index a web, a, create a site collection, and there's some other stuff. So um you can actually download it from GitHub. So if you head over to Rick's blog, which is Rick Van. Rosealt.com, so it's dot r-o-u-d-s-e-l-t.com and you'll find it there. And it's an open source project, so it's available to anyone that wants to use it. But how cool would it be, right? To build a skill for Alexa or Cortana and have Cortana spinning there and say Cortana get site collection or checkpoint farm X and create new web application called Alistair's new web application. And then it replies, (laughs) working on it.
0: Even just uh, like more power user functions, it would be great if you could set this up for like execs and stuff and say, oh, just ask the bot to give you access to whatever or give somebody access so they don't have to go and find the clicks and stuff. They can just type to the bot and say, hey, Give my secretary access to this document.
1: It's very cool. I'm super excited about it. But see where it's going. Can you see where it's going?
0: That's super cool. Hey, the robots are taking over.
1: They are. Skynet is real.
0: So then our last segment of the show is my PowerShell commandlet of the week.
1: This is a lame one. This is a lame one.
0: It is a lame one, but it's also a very handy one. And one that's. A lot of our use, a lot of our listeners can actually use. Whereas when we get into like the heavy search things and stuff, we probably none of us are probably ever going to use it. And because we're going through the big spreadsheet of doom, we are going to have some of these lame ones. Okay. I'm not going to not do them when they <laughs> get randomised.
1: All right. Cool. So let's talk about um, what does it do, Rod? <laughs> okay. Well, today's PowerShell commandlet is Set-SPWeb. So. Set SP web you can use in PowerShell
0: to configure uh, specific subsites. So you need to pass it an identity parameter to identify what, what site it is that you, you're wanting to uh, change the configuration of. And then you can do a bunch of stuff. So you can change the name of it. You can change its description. Uh, you can change its theme. You can change its template. The template's quite handy when you're automating, uh, building out sites. If you're building a site with, there's a switch you can put on that gives you issues when you when you create a template of that site. That's the publishing features, right? If you create a, a site with publishing, a template with publishing features, um, SharePoint will give you issues when you want to create a site off of that.
1: Yeah, a site template.
0: But The, the, the option is gone template off of that, and you enable yeah.
1: publishing features.
0: Yeah, the way you get around that is you use PowerShell to create the site, and then you set the template using set SP web to that template, and then it works. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a handy use for this, and the the most handy use of it is you can change the relative URL path. So that's often in in the GUI. That's I don't know if you can even do it in the GUI. You can change the name. I don't think it changes the relative URL. But you can use this commandlet, yeah. and you can change that relative URL path so you don't have to mess around, you can just change it, which is nice. And then the usual uh, scripting stuff, you can give an assignment collection, you can you can have it prompt for confirmation and it's also got a what-if parameter which will give you a message describing what the effect would be if you ran it.
1: Yeah, so, no, it's, it's, yeah it, it seems as, rudimentary, as say, a, but it's functional. As,
0: yes. Quite a boring one, but it is it is a handy one. Out, out of all the commandlets we've used, we we've, we've had on are featured on the podcast. I think this is probably the one I use most often. Yeah, maybe get maybe maybe get sp site more than set sp site, but it's it's part of the same chain.
1: Yes, so. it's the same, pretty much. Yeah. Look, that yeah. they, they're the underpinnings of of a lot of commands that you'd run because you'd have to set it first before you do other stuff.
0: You need to get it, and if you're building out, you, you, you have to set these parameters somehow, and this is how you do it. So there we go. That's our PowerShell line.
1: Anything else from your side, Mr. Modlin?
0: I think that's it for today, Al. Thank you for podcasting again.
1: Yeah, coming to you from sunny Cape Town.
0: And Rainy Joburg, this has been Two Guys SharePoint. If you guys want to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin. And L.
1: I'm at Alistair Pugin.
0: And you guys can subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Um, if you are on iTunes, please do leave us a review. It would help a lot. And thank you so much for listening.
1: Yeah, super. Amp. Thank you to the... Th- Well, it's sitting at 1,145 plays right now and over 100 downloads. We will be giving away quite a large prize when we get to 2,000 plays.
0: I'll
1: commit to that.
0: Okay, sounds good. So you heard it, guys. Get everybody downloading and you might get something cool.
1: Fantastic. Ciao, ciao.
0: Cheers.